0: A lot of people's model of the world—they were working at a bank or they were working in financial services—just wouldn't have seen the opportunity. So, not by not having like our minds full of, I think, experience and ideas and things that would tell us why this business wouldn't work. Ignorance and courage—you
1: uh, know—can kind of go together. What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy Chopsticks, aka Rabbi Lose, aka Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to one of my best friends in the world, Joseph Kelly. He's the co-founder and CEO of Unchained Capital. You can check him out at unchained.com. Joe and I play squash together, and he also got me into flying planes. Now, Joe's story is crazy. He traveled the world on a boat for three years. He dropped out of college to start a big data company that he sold. Then he got into Bitcoin because he's a very curious person. I've personally held some of my Bitcoin at unchainedcapital.com. That is at unchained.com. If you've ever wanted to learn about how to be more introspective or start a crypto company, you're going to love this episode. In this conversation, you're going to enjoy three gigantic things. One, how to engage with a voice in your head in a healthy way. Two, what Joe learned from traveling around the world in a boat for three years. And three, why is he very bullish on Bitcoin still and why you might want to invest in it too. Enjoy those three things plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we dive into the show, go to AppSumo.com, AppSumo.com. Sign up for the newsletter. you find great deals for your startup, AppSumo.com. Also, special pre-show shout out to listener, Alaska app, sucks, really? Of US of A, they said, Mattress Mac, oh my God, Mattress Mac, the best 10-minute podcast ever. Seriously, Mattress Mac episode was fire. I love that guy, and I love every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want to shout out in a future episode, leave a review wherever you listen to this show. I check every single one of them. I always thought you just like got to rich level and you're like, well, I'm there, but then you still have to live. Yeah, and we do it to ourselves.
0: How's Joe Kelly? Joe Kelly's good, man. Joe Kelly's plugged in. Life's very engaging right now. You know, some sometimes some periods of life you can kind of, you can just sort of disengage or like you can kind of let life go on. But right now I have no choice. Right now it's like, it's full engagement. It's 100%. You need all of it. Life calls all of you sometimes and I have enough going on right now that family, work, every corner of life is like, needs all of Joe.
1: What does full engagement look like?
0: There's a way of like, life just right, kind of wrestles it out of you sometimes. It's like whatever whatever challenges you have that feel like challenges. That's the kind of thing for me, there's always like a calling there. It's like a like life is asking of you to like step up, do that thing, do that thing that needs done. And it's also funny to me, because for me, life is not the voice inside your head too. I think a lot of my life is like, a lot of my life has been listening to the voice inside my head. What is what is it telling me? What does it think is what's next? But that's that's also just not life. Like just it's been a daily reminder for me almost right now of something appears, thinks this is a thing, this is an issue. and. I like acknowledging that. I like that there's something in there perceiving these things and some of them need action, some don't. But
1: I tell that voice more and more, like, you are not real. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone has this voice. What, what's the voice telling you?
0: Yeah, if I listen to it, it's
1: usually a, a voice out of fear. It's usually a voice
0: out of caution about like, oh, like this thing. or like, oh, this person, you know, they're ready to quit. or like, oh, this person, like, they're not trusting. Or it's like, you know, overly excited too. I think I, I really work on also b- being aware of being too dazzled. You get some kind of good news you know, investors like, Oh, yeah, your thing is great. Let's do this. Exactly what we need. Nothing's final until the wire hits. So just you can't then let the voice go, go off and say,
1: Yeah, (laughs) we're great. This is all great. Yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm reading untethered soul. And I read when things fall apart. And that's like a very big theme in the book, where it's like, it's this voice in your head. And a lot of what they talk about is what you're what you're reflecting on, which is like, who is this person living for free in our brain mm-hmm. with no rules? They're running rampant. And one of the things I'm trying to reflect on what you said is when it's negative, it's easy to get with, but we're okay letting it be positive, but we're kind of not okay letting it be negative. Yeah. So I think there's an interesting balance of like, do we have to tone down the positive or can we just let that go as high as possible? At the negative one, we're like, yeah, let's make that volume five. Yeah. Just trying to squirm at it. Just trying to trying to let it go through
0: let the emotions flow through you.
1: I was in therapy today and we were talking about dating and it's like, what? which path do you want to take? And you could choose it. You could choose the path you've been on and it's gotten you where you've gone. And it's kind of a path of ambivalence or you could choose the hard path. I was like, the hard path doesn't sound real fun, man. <laughs> I mean, doesn't sound real cool. No, it sounds hard, but rewarding. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's a lot of that for all of us in different and a lot of areas. I thought I was going to have a hard meeting earlier today. I was talking to this guy on our team and He's changing positions and he's moving out of some of the leadership role potentially. I was like, I've been kind of, not, yeah, I've been dreading it. And then I, we had the conversation. And I was like, here's are just what I'm thinking. I'm not making a decision, but I'd, I'd love to talk with you about it. And he's like, yeah, sounds great. I was like, oh, the hard path is really a rewarding path. It was the voice
0: inside your head telling you this is going to be hard. And yeah, I find the number of reasons that, the number of times that voice is wrong and like just on the wrong side of a thing, it's really interesting. It definitely doesn't bat anywhere near a hundred in my experience. And yeah, it's often those ones you sort of gear up for as being a real challenge that, no, it's not. And then you get caught by surprise by the one you thought was easy. What have been some of the hardest decisions in your life? You know, dropping out of school, it was like I came to Austin for doing some traveling with my family and I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and joined the business school. It was like, at the time, McComb's undergrad program here at UT was very focused on getting on, on track to go work at Goldman or Ford or some big corporate job. It wasn't very entrepreneurial friendly. And it it did get easier throughout the year, like the decision to want to quit. I like academic subjects. I would go audit classes in physics or math, you know, if I had the time these days. But yeah, just culturally learning like, oh, this is how this outfit, this school thinks it wants to teach me about business when like business happens out in the real world. It's almost like the version of business in there feels almost like the voice inside your head idea. It's like, it's just this kind of weirdly constructed Thing that doesn't have to do with reality and like the reality of entrepreneurship is always finding almost finding ways to do things or finding things out that just can't be taught in a class. There are mistakes you can prevent. There is like good structured knowledge around building companies and startups, but the kind of thinking I think you need for early stage and starting things doesn't really breed well. I think in a undergraduate program that UT does a lot better. I got even credit for like focusing more on entrepreneur programs, but yeah, the decision to leave was like after my first my freshman year. Um I know nothing else really lined up or no like prospects or ideas of how I succeed or make money. But it's like, uh, oh, I need to do something else. This is too miserable. How scary was that? It was kind of freaky. It was one of those that some of I really trusted myself. I still really trust that like, I will succeed. I will find a way. Like there's just, there's just not, it's not possible not to. That's that part of that, that like full engagement kind of piece that I, that really was there for me and helped carry me through. Other hard decisions, you know, say like marrying, Sticking with my wife, sticking with you know someone who I, I met when I was 20, 21, got together soon soon after, and we were together for seven years before we got married, seven or eight years, and you know, through my twenties. So like, there's a range of time when a lot of people, and like myself included, thought maybe, oh, dude, there's online dating, there's all these things. This is this is a time you kind of meet a lot of people. But I don't know, there's something that always really stuck stuck me with with my wife, and you know, felt like this is a person I can grow with. This is a person who. Challenges me and like in those again back to those full engagement ways and so kind of through that through like again a lot of years spent sometimes the voice inside my head but the the decision to stay the decision to like always work it out show back up at the table I think has yielded a lot of a lot of benefit for me.
1: How do you engage with the voice inside your head? Like when you are doing the college decision, when you're making the wife decision, or and as you're running, you know, Unchained today.
0: I've gone in and out of healthy healthy modes of it. Versus remembering I am inside my head, you know, like, that's key. And then now, more and more, when I notice there's enough of that voice in my head, I try to, like, it's a really stressful time, there's enough things, and it's kind of firing off a lot. I really try to take a break. I'll take, like, 15 minutes, and I'll, like, sit at my desk, or I've done it where I sit in my car, and just close my eyes and just, like, try to get back in my body. Just, I'm in my chest, I'm in my arms, I'm in my legs, like, I'm not in my skull behind my two eyes. Just that's where life is. It's not, it's not just this little this voice monologue in, in your
1: head. Yeah. I we was reading the book this morning and it was talking about how like that voice in your head, you should personify hmm. and then feel about how would you interact with this person. And I, I really thought about that from I was in therapy and the guy's like, Noah, you need to be your own father. Hmm. That like blew my mind. I was like, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you, this is why I was sitting on his lap. That part was weird. No, uh, it was just, but it was an interesting thought. And about being your own father and really it's like how do you be your own coach in a healthy way yeah right like stepping outside of yourself you know it's this voice that's in there it's like it's there to support you and also kind of to keep you safe and all these things but it's like how do you bring it outside and have it be more objective in this experience i really like the idea too that like it's not always just one voice it's like multiple voices or you know
0: we kind of hear it in like this monotone pattern maybe or it's like it like doesn't have different necessarily like accents or something but Often, if you sit with it enough or investigate it, like that one voice that freaks out about that thing, that's the voice from, I don't know, your mother at this certain age when she was on your ass about that. And this other voice is like, oh, yeah, that one friend that was to, like a weirdo that was like kind of a bully and, you know, made you question these things. So, like, I do think there are different baskets of memories and things we learn that we like construct a voice out of. And then it's dangerous to lump it all into kind of one one persona, I think.
1: There's many things I admire you, admire about you. I think one of them is that you really introspect yourself and not like a, I was like talking to this girl last night as a friend and she like introspects to the point of detriment, I feel. Hmm. Like it's like this circular downward spiral versus like, feel like you're like, what's the hard thing going on in my life? I'm going to face it, understand it, improve it, and then go to kind of another thing, like the connection course by Art of Accomplishment, which is doing with my brother and it's really hard. Yeah. So admire that. I admire your journey from being in Alaska to living on a boat to working on tug boats to drop out of school to like creating two companies that have done well in, in very unique areas. Thanks. Yeah, man. Yeah, like what a journey from li- going up growing up in Alaska to having a family running a crypto company in Austin, Texas. Like, how did you get here?
0: It's the way we're thing, you know. And again, that's I, that's where I think it's also it's fun because like I almost want to laugh at this because it's like part of it's like well along the way I always try to listen to my inner voice. It's like here we are, we're kind of denigrating the like voice inside your head, but. There's another voice that does like speak through your body, speaks through like that kind of integrates all those other voices in your head. And that's where um, I think good therapies and good healthy like experiences and things that help you find, recenter on the inner voice. It's, it's like that's the voice that believes in you. That's the voice that knows like you're worthy. That's the voice that, you know, says like, yes, you can drop out of school and be okay. And that's, and that's, that's a lot of my mission. That's a lot of what I get out of working with people and like company building is finding people and, like with them working with their inner voice, which is just, I don't know, to be spiritual about it, like the voice of consciousness, the voice of like you know, humankind, like finding its way forward through space and time on this rock in the universe. And each of us has that somewhere and that potential. And like, I love nothing more than marrying up with somebody and like where they are and where they're going and building a mission or going on a fantastic mission together.
1: How How do you think people can improve their inner voice? Like an improve that level of self-confidence. I know that's something I've always gone back and forth on where like a lot of humans, like I'm externalized, like, oh, this girl responded, or we did well in business, or like, I look good in the mirror. And then it, there's moments of insecurity in, with that voice. And mm-hmm. so it, how to dive even deeper to like the real inner voice. It's like, hey, it'll be okay. Like a lot of times I have this phrase, like, it's going to be okay. It's okay.
0: Yeah. Dude, that's so part of it. I think that's where that's where it like starts. Because usually for out of that, it's like something that reminds you it's going to be okay. You're here. This is now. Your question was interesting because you how do you improve that inner voice? Not a counter. It doesn't need improved. Wherever you're at, that's fine. Don't need to improve it. Just check in with it. It's there. It's like, and then just get through the next heartbeat with it. Hmm.
1: That's interesting. So like, yeah, even the way I said it just makes it seem like there's always something wrong with it. Like, it couldn't it be great already.
0: It is I'm guaranteed.
1: What did your inner voice tell you today? Do you have any recollection of how your inner voice was with you throughout the day?
0: Yeah, yeah, today was interesting. Today we had a board meeting this morning. And so my voice was about doing that, conducting that well. It's nice, you know, have done now dozens plus of, of board meetings, so it's feeling more practice. It's always still a, an experience because it's one of those alignment points. That's, the, that's for me the big, one of the big like major responsibility areas. And I found changes as you grow with the company. The earlier stages of alignment's easy. It's you and a few people and maybe boards, maybe some investors. There's like, there's only 10 people you got to like keep on the same page. Now there were 100 folks plus our board, plus investors, plus investors on the board, these things like alignment is a different, it's a whole nother challenge. And so it's interesting kind of walking through and in your role and then CEO, you're kind of the center point for all that alignment across those groups. And so ensuring you're kind of in command of the details, you, you kind of hold that same page you want everybody to be on. That's what I was kind of feeling or feeling into for uh, the board meeting today. The rest of the day, that's here or there, you know, have a few fires, a few things here and there, nothing crazy, but that like inevitably needs your attention and make sure that everything kind of proceeds apace. Hiring, talk to like good candidates. Again, that's where it's fun. It's just finding, find that spark, finding you know who else has what is needed here and can be a good fit. So I like taking like taking the voice with me into those conversations too. When did you start becoming so introspective? As long as I can remember. Early on, I had, I'm uh, definitely one of those that I had like, the voice inside my head kick on like early and that voice you know for me directed a lot like early on i thought i wanted to be a psychologist Well, first i want to be a priest because so i thought oh, priest they, they know they, they have access to like spiritual knowledge and like know like why the heck we're here and like all <laughs> like if i go that route then i can be like closer to god whoever that is and like figure it all out and, and know it you know i really wanted to know things want to know like what how does this all work but then you know fell out with that but then fell into like okay psychology like, everything I'm experiencing is meeting through my brain, psychology is study of our brains or like behavior and how we work. So I always feel like everyone should kind of get that user manual for their own mind. And I looked at like psychology and even the therapy and all the stuff we talk about is you know, everything in that kind of knowledge tree. So from the early age, I wanted that and that for me is like kind of dealing meta knowledge, something like the more you know about how you work and your mind works, you can take that in every domain, every problem area you, you tackle over life so yeah i wanted that one of that and as much of that as i could early
1: user manual for your life or user manual for your brain i I love that phrase yeah i was curious what how would you define your life philosophy Mm, do good you know
0: i think part of really introspecting hard and like what you want and how you would want to be treated also really helps you to be kind and be kind with others so there's a way that kind of that deep introspection and self-awareness then like can really help reflect out and be a con- more kind employer, boss, business partner, company to work with there's a way I like to bring that kind of kindness and that soul to how we treat our clients, how we take care of, help take care of their Bitcoin, help take care of their journey
1: as they work with us. So yeah, something about, something
0: about being kind and self-aware.
1: Two things here. One, can I give you marketing feedback? Yeah. Joe is getting on the podcast and promotional story. He's one of my best friends, so I want to promote unchained.com where I have my some of my crypto money if you want something that's more secure it's helpful to say your your name at your domain even if you're talking about your business like a lot think about the number seven you should try to get to seven after seven times people will probably remember it just like a small thing unchain.com unchained.com, unchained.com, unchained.com. unchain.com 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 <laughs> unchain.com the other thing I thought about is Tynan I've hung on Tynan very much and he similar to you is like very understands himself like I think you're continually trying to understand yourself I think time to understand himself and then I do think he's open to changing it but not as often and he's very content with that and one of the things he said was years ago whenever he had kind of like a negative thought about himself which I literally have it like minor all day long (laughs) and it's not like a pity party but it's like very it's like I woke up this morning like uh shit like this person didn't message me I don't feel good (sighs) looked in the mirror you don't look good (laughs) I was like broke chill out I haven't even woken up but, uh, yeah. you know, it's a practice I'm working on. It's not, it's not a finality. And uh, Tynan said that whenever he had a negative thought years ago, he would always just give counter it with a positive thought about himself. And it kind of trained him, not out of negativity, but just to realize that, like, there is, he's good the way he is. Like, he is good. Kind of a similar thing with this voice in your head where it's like, why don't you do this, Noah? And, like, you should have done that. And you're not doing, it's like having also the counter voice to that. It's just something I, I really like his approach to it. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that idea back to like, it's, it's kind of what you look for. If you want to look for the negative,
0: it'll be there. If you want to look for the positive, it'll be there too. And so I, I love, I love the balancing approach that he has there. It's also something I do like about business of like, you know, having, there's a lot of opinion, you know, 100 people might be 100 different opinions on a thing. None of them are wrong. None of them are wrong. Like if, people, if somebody's seeing a, a thing in a certain way, yeah, that's messed up. Someone's seeing it's like, it's actually not messed up. It's good in this way. Somebody's seeing like, yeah, but we could do better. Like all are right. So, it's fun, again, for me, the mental challenge of like synthesizing the views, synthesizing the pass forward to like what really is best, what really is like an aggregate, something better, more emergent that nobody individually could have could have come up with on their own. Now, I think for me that's like that's how you get magic. Getting back even to like the business school, you can't plan out a business like Unchained.com. you, you have to uh, you know I do think a business like this. I feel pulled, like now that we have more of a product market fit, it's like we feel pulled, I think, by our market. We feel pulled into what this business can really become in the future. And, and a lot of that pulling, it's also pushing. It's pushing by the, the team, by people who see like what's next, what's best for Unchained and its clients. But yeah, it's, it's fun. That's we're building in this kind of white space of Bitcoin, where there's like this thing that hasn't quite ever existed before that no one could really have described 10 years ago, but is like possible now. And we're on the cusp of becoming, that's, that's, how, we, I don't know, that's how we do something. It's like, so we build a great company is kind of my idea.
1: Yeah, man. This whole voice in the head thing as well, because I think some people are going to listen to it and be like, I have no clue what the fuck these guys are talking about. <laughs> but I think a lot of people will be like, oh, wow, yeah, I do have a lot of thoughts in my head. I mean, everyone does. And how is this helping me? And I think the other thing I was reflecting on with that piece of it is, I wonder if all of us actually know the truth, but we're not willing to do the truth. We're not willing to accept it or do the thing that because it's not easy or it doesn't feel good yeah you know for me it's like i had this big debate today with the, the therapist not debate but discussion like do i want a wife or i just want to keep dating and he's like i think deep down i know that having a partner is going to make it better and it doesn't have to be a wife he's like dude stop you do worry about a wife you're gonna get divorced for sure that's what he told me <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'll see you afterwards but he's <laughs> yeah, so real with you it's fun. but he's just like yo find someone that you just really want to spend time with and you know, is it really aligned and you know, it doesn't feel good when you're hanging out with people that are just okay, you know, but for some reason, and I think this applies for everything, not just relationships, but our work in our families, in ourselves. Like I know it does not feel good, but we're doing it. And so it's, I guess, as you said, it checking in lately at, at night in bed, I tried to before I just start reading a book. I'm like, how's Noah. Mm-hmm. And I like that you said, that's what helped you in terms of quitting school and really helping you on your path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Choosing to listen. Just choosing to listen to that voice because, like, usually there's like an answer right away. If you ask yourself, How's Nua? And like, probably you just get it. And then but if you don't listen close enough, then really quickly some voice picks up from there.
1: Yeah. So we're going to go back in your story. And for the, for the people who don't know you, you were in Alaska. Um, your mom died of cancer very early, even though her and your father dreamed of traveling the world. So your dad packed up, sold everything, traveled to Florida, and you got in a boat to travel the world. And you guys traveled on a boat for the next three years. Yeah you know, that and then you went and worked on a tugboat for a year. And then you started your the college experience. Can you share a story that that helped shape some of who you are from from that boat experience?
0: Yeah, and there's a lot, a lot of that experience that being a teenager being in these island countries, making friends with like adults, and again, having this kind of interaction with the world that I didn't feel like I was cloistered in a high school, or just talking with a bunch of other teenagers. Um, it really kind of just helped me re- see like, oh, yeah, there's like life can go a lot of different ways. You just the U.S. and its cultural norms, and as a society, it's one way to do things. It's worked really well for a lot of people here, um, but there's a lot of people out there. that are happy kids going to school that commute on a dinghy or a boat every day uh, to you know the island next door. Like just these like these old corners aspects of life, and yeah. And so kind of seeing that and really feeling like okay, you know, I want the kind of destiny, I want the kind of work life that I get to listen to. My voice, my inner voice, and what I want to do, and I want to listen to that voice, not necessarily like feeling like I'm working like a, some cog in a machine or in some, in some cubicle somewhere, like for another person like listening to like just their voice. That's not how I think a lifetime should be spent here. The other one was like really just feeling really proud and happy being with my younger sister and my dad on the boat, like doing a long passage, you know where three days from any, any kind of shore, any kind of land. Barely another like boat or anything else out in sight. It's nighttime. The stars are brilliant. This moon is bright. There's a reflection of it like on the ocean, and you're just like, "Wow, I, I'm isolated from the rest of the world, and I'm with the two most important people in my life, just like right now." just like, "We're cruising. We're good. This is magic." So yeah, really kind of feeling, feeling that was a was another just like moment. No, never forget that, especially that that watch feeling that.
1: How do you think your life would have turned out if you would have just? If your mom's never passed and you stayed in Anchorage,
0: oh yeah, I think about this. Like, it, it wouldn't have been. I probably would be in like some trouble or something. I don't know. Like, I was definitely, um, or I would have just like a rougher thing. You know, she was um, my mom was amazing, and like it's funny. I, I reread uh, her obituary recently, and it was like she is. uh, her, her sister wrote something like she's calm, competent, and courageous, and like I read those, and I was like, oh damn, you know, I like that. Like those are me, and like those are her, and like and just like really, really seeing the way she saved me, but. Uh, we had a, I had a kind of rougher rough relationship with her for a period of, as far as like the things that she thought I needed to do or needed to be in school and like be on this kind of college track and talking about voices in your head. That was a difficult thing for me because like I kind of wanted to do other things. I wanted to follow my interests into other areas, but I, I was really had a hard time kind of between like listening to peers and what they thought was cool and then like listening to my mom and what she thought I needed to do and then like finding my voice in and among all that. So I think, uh, you know, Insofar far as like I was still kind of in her house and like with a lot of her rules, like I was going to be chafing a lot more um, in my t- into my late teens and then going to college and like, yeah, I don't know what-, what kind of rebellious streak I'd have. So getting to travel, getting to kind of grow my relationship with my dad and find a lot more of the freedom in that, I'm, I'm really grateful that I got to have that. Yeah,
1: it's amazing how few moments really change everything in our life. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking like you, you know, walk across where you get hit by a car, right? I'm talking ones that are intentional choices, where it's like where you live, going on that boat experience, like who you're marrying, changing jobs. It's kind of wild to think of the different tree paths that all of our lives could have gone on or c- can still go on from uh, these these decisions. So we're staying fully engaged because I, I do think, yeah, like, and that, that was one of the experiences
0: I felt out of my pr- first startup was oh my gosh, you know, I could trace like the four or five key moments or key decisions or key introductions that led to it being acquired and having that sort of outcome. Cryptocurrency, it's the same that same way for a lot of people. Some people just like bought Bitcoin on a whim in 2013. Some people like, you know, spent some of that Bitcoin on like an Ethereum crowd sale that like netted them. an an, you know, insane kind of return. And like, that was kind of my experience early on with Bitcoin and figuring out how to custody your own keys and things like this. Like, that effort that I went through and a lot of all the other early adopters in Bitcoin went through was, there's a big ROI in that. The, the, the few hours you spent figuring out how to learn about Bitcoin in 2013 compared to now, I mean, for some people, it's more than they could work in a lifetime and hope to earn.
1: Well, l- let's break that down a bit because you dropped out of college, no plan, great inner voice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you picked... You know, big data, which was not sexy and then became sexy and then you sold and, and did well and then you said, "Let me find another non sexy category that's not popular, crypto Bitcoin specifically became popular and then now is sexy and so I guess I, I'm trying for the audience for myself like you know what do you think is next that you would consider and then but with those specifically, like how did you trend spot those two The data one was fun
0: because I had this uh I had this passion for data that uh, was kind of spawned by my other passion for hip-hop and rap. So I got interested in data because I wanted to figure out who was the greatest rapper of all time through analyzing lyrics. Because, you know, there's, there's lyrics that get repeated. I'm a, I'm a grown-ass man, or it's like a jungle out there. Sometimes it makes me wonder how I keep my feet from going under. Um, somebody said one of those things first, and then and somebody repeated that. So I wanted to, like, build a database of all the lyrics and figure this out. So, like, it ended up being too big of a project. It's still, it's like my white whale. I still want to do this someday. I want to find the right data science, data engineering partner. But it was just clear to me. I was like, oh my gosh, why is it so hard for me to answer this? Like, I'm smart. We have technology. We have software. The data exists. How can this be solved? Like not you know so hard. And so it was kind of around the time going down that path that I met some other folks on campus that were grad students that started this project, InfoChimps, which is like a data catalog, a data search engine for data sets. So I was like, okay, cool. At the very least, like, I know data is important. These guys are really smart. Two smart people I could hope to work with on anything. So let's do this. Like anything, anything it takes to get this business built, anything to get it get it done. And that was yeah. I think something I, I try to reinforce for people too, especially in starting um, difficult projects, is again something just like I just had some piece of wisdom that told me like as long as you hold the, to those two things, you're working in this really growing important wave to, of, of data and big data, and you're working with like the smartest people you'd hope to work with. Like you will be okay. So just hang on, <laughs> hang on. So. Even just as a 20-year-old founder starting a startup in that space, every difficulty, everything that came my way, I could always just like throw back at, you know, oh, gosh, should I quit? Should I do something else? I just throw back those two pieces of motivation. And then so after the company sold and started Bitcoin with my other co-founders there at then again, it was kind of about like trying to find those, those same motivational keys. And Bitcoin really could fit that market category. Dhruv and I have a great relationship, somebody I go to war with on almost anything. But yeah, sit back and in the like, historical context of just humankind and what kind of invention is Bitcoin, what kind of thing is it. It can be a lot of different things a lot of people. It is a new form of money. It is a new form of saving our wealth and a thing that didn't exist and couldn't have existed prior. It's like a hyper-modern invention that's supported by both the technology of cryptography, distributed computing, the internet in a large extent. Then also the social, the societal structure like around Twitter of the people that sort of debate it and talk about it and prop it up. And then like the economic system it exists in and now the exchanges. And so there's, I also view it as a really interesting prism to try to understand the world, try to understand how economics work, the social system around like accepting a new idea like Bitcoin and people kind of flipping into being Bitcoin believers. Sometimes flipping out, people do, but generally people go the one way. I find that, that just, it's fascinating. And so when I think about, okay, what is a endeavor I could dedicate 10 years or more of my life of my career to? Bitcoin really like fit the bill uh, as far as where to dedicate myself and, and do something amazing around.
1: But what what did you see early on, or what happened that helped you spot that? So you're kind of talking a little bit after after the fact. What happened early on, like with Bitcoin, um,
0: and, and in particular, that's like, well, first I bought some, and and then I have Drew, who's a great technical mind and te- has a great technical understanding of things, and he's gotten pretty far along in his understanding of how Bitcoin works, and so. I'd look at investing in and trying to invest more or like Do I really want to hold this thing I just love how how much Bitcoin yields to like authentic genuine inquiry that if you want to know how this thing works there's an answer and often those answers are uh, like robust and grounded in the real world things like it's proof of work that what are, that are what create Bitcoin or well secure it and make it so it's this thing that no single party no, no centralized anything could exert unilateral control over it if you're a genuinely curious, open minded human being, it's really hard not to get just like hooked by Bitcoin somehow. It's like if you're a modern human being walking around and you don't have just like blinders on about the world that is around you and how it's shaping up and where it's going. You just have to have like your head in the sand if you're not somehow fascinated by Bitcoin. Well, how did you even know to buy it? You know, Drew and I, we made kind of a deal. It's like I was keen to like get my life together after we sold our business. I wanted to buy a condo, buy a house to live in. I encouraged him to do that. He said, okay, Joe, I'll get a house too, but you got to buy Bitcoin. So I bought Bitcoin with him. We kind of kind of both helped each other out in that front.
1: How much do you think Drew
0: has made you? Uh, a lot. Yeah, We've made each other a lot. You know, I think like it's a partnership. It's like, you know, we, we, we joke we're platonic life partners. <laughs> we complete each other in certain respects. We look at like business opportunities together. We look at, you know, our work together, our lives, are
1: wives are best friends, we're best friends. So we both have a lot of gratitude for each other you know people always say this shit like you're the average of five people but i i do think it's interesting your philosophy your philosophical or your philosophy was like i want to work on something growing that you're interested in and secondly like let me just be around super fucking smart people like my whole facebook thing was like i was in the bay so i was lucky there but i was just around super smart people and mint.com was like it was just a really great product so i I, was a it's a great lesson in general like if you're not around it go go find it and do whatever it takes to just be associated with it yeah, like I mean, think about—he found Bitcoin. He had conviction because of some understanding, plus info chips. Like how that changed the trajectory of like your life. Yeah, yeah, really did.
0: Yeah, when you talk about those key moments, those key things, and like in the irony, that's like it was a Craigslist ad that I met Drew through the group he was with at campus was looking for a new website. I was looking to get into website building, so I responded and didn't get the gig or whatever. Or like just found these other ways to talk and, and work on something. But man, like you said, those key moments and. Responding to Craigslist ad led to a lifelong friendship and business partner to do multiple
1: things with. So with unchained.com. Unchained Capital. Um, Unchained Capital. Well, it's unchained.com, which is Unchained yes. Capital. Oh, yes. You know, you guys had this idea for Bitcoin storage, security, and so forth. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of our audience is, is new entrepreneurs. How did you actually get your your first customers when you guys didn't really have much? I guess, what's the their origin story? Yeah. We built Unchained first for ourselves. I mean, it's a classic thing of like,
0: when we thought about what kind of businesses to get into and it really started settling on Bitcoin, we thought, okay, we're long-term Bitcoin holders. We're going to hold this for a long time. Let's build like, what could we want? What could we need? Oh yeah, you know, because we're going to hold this for so long, we might, I don't know, at various times, want some dollars from it. Or like if, you know, Bitcoin ends up being worth millions of dollars someday, you know, in general, if you have like millions of dollars worth of Facebook stock, you can go get a loan against that stock or, you know, other assets like that. So that's something very common for people to do. So we thought, and this is like 2016 when we're really noodling on this and getting serious, that doesn't exist for Bitcoin yet. At the time, it was only about 8 to $10 billion market cap. It wasn't taken as seriously by like Wall Street, most traditional market circles. And so we thought, okay, there, there is a window here. Like it's, it's kind of early enough that you don't have like Goldman Sachs lending against Bitcoin. I just announced this last week they are, so they're working on catching up. But like uh, at that time, we thought exchanges exist, Wallets exist, so people can buy the stuff, they can store the stuff, but nobody's lending against it. Nobody's helping people hold on to their Bitcoin long term and maybe do something. So and then the, the other thing I, I do encourage like entrepreneurs is like it's one thing to sort of find your like a pain point that you can be passionate about and want to work on. You also gotta validate the market. And the kind of nifty thing about Bitcoin is you can because it's all public, the blockchain is out there, you can analyze it. And we looked at the the blockchain, looked at the the addresses that existed then, and you can look at how long is the Bitcoin and those addresses sat there. Uh, we published this analysis now. It's called like the Hoddle waves. And a lot of other places have have this now too, so you can find it. But at that time, about 60% of all Bitcoin hadn't moved for a year or more. And so we looked at that and we thought, wow, that's like five or $6 billion of Bitcoin that's just kind of held by these people for the long run. There must be some way those people are just being underserved. There must be some, some service that need to exist for those folks. And that sounded like a lot of money. It sounded like a lot of potential clients. Um, now, thank goodness, like the Bitcoin market's much bigger. 60% of all Bitcoin, it's still like the fact that that hasn't moved for a year or more. It's kind of gone in and out in some of the, the cycles. But, um, and I think it's actually actually at an all-time high, something like 65% right now. Um, so a lot of people just like holding for the long-term. And today's market cap's like $500 billion plus. And so that's always been our target segment, these these long-term holders. Um, it started with that idea of what what could we want, who looks underserved. And then back to the idea, or you mentioned like, I, kind of, I do like starting something hard. <laughs> I was tempted with, with Drew, like, hey, man, maybe we should start another data company. Probably have some easier time raising money. Probably have some easier time with a couple things because we know it. I really credit Drew with it. He was like, Joe, you, in life, you only have a few chances of like going up, back to kindergarten learning something new. Let's do that. Let's do this. And so I was like, so, okay. Uh, so you know, then our, our entry, entry into financial services. And it, it's funny. It's getting back to the, even these ideas of a lot of people's model of the world. They were working at a bank or they're working in financial services. Just wouldn't have seen the opportunity. So not by not having like our minds full of I think experience and ideas and things that would tell us why this business wouldn't work. Ignorance and courage, uh, you know, can kind of go together and maybe they did here, but yeah, that was that's kind of more the the origin
1: story. How did you buy your first crypto, your first Bitcoin? Coinbase. Oh, in twenty thirteen? Yeah. Damn, I didn't realize they were around back then. How how many did you buy? You never ask a rancher how many head of cattle he's got. Like Texas saying, said that line before. (laughs) How did you guys get your first person to trust you guys?
0: It was tough because, yeah, we did a lot of diligence early on, like talking to Bitcoin holders, like people we could find that had maybe large, large amounts of Bitcoin. Um, I want to say our first loan was given to somebody who was like a friend of a friend. And that's kind of how that worked. And they they had some Bitcoin and they needed a loan or like, they were doing this and they tried it out. And then, uh, so we had like just a few kind of bites like that of, People just kind of in our network. And then once we sort of announced ourselves and like started publishing the blog content, but our press release and things, sort of coming in. And, and things timed well enough that this was late 2017. So there was still kind of a bull market frenzy. And so we had people interested. We had
1: good volumes early on of making loans. So that was, uh, was good timing. So speaking of Bitcoin, if anyone wants to store their Bitcoin securely, unchained.com, this is not a sponsored show. Joe is a best friend. And I thought it'd be cool to, to hear some of the, I, I like the way you think. I remember I called you about the, uh, I had a plane emergency because Joe and I share a plane. Mm-hmm. And I called him and I, I said, Joe, I just had an emergency landing and I was really expecting you to flip the fuck out. And you're like, okay, so walk me through what happened. And I was like, ah, I like that. Heat. I like how you think about it. Let's uh, diagnose the situation. So your personal net worth, I don't even know the number, but how much of it is in Bitcoin? Because I think this is interesting. I mean, over 50%. Really? I thought it was like 90%, man. Yeah, it's like probably 80, 80%, and then you have your house. It's basically your house and Bitcoin is like all you do. Like, do you do stocks? Uh, no, I have some
0: IRA, 401k type stuff. But yeah, that, that would be in that that 20%. What percent do you keep in cash or how many months of lifestyle do you keep in cash? Not a lot. I mean, it's part, part of what's nice about having a venture backed startup at this point is like I do have a salary. So for the first several years, I did, you know, from previous acquisition or just investments. And I was basically drawing barely a salary and. You know, living off of those so it's nice that i don't don't have to do that but uh yeah really just just have a salary that kind of is enough for my lifestyle and stack bitcoin and try to grow this company and that's something you know the, those figures of my net worth also don't include like my ownership and unchained but that's that's paper you know who knows
1: well i think it's interesting why one you know morgan housel psychology of money it's one of it's a really popular mm-hmm. one, i really enjoyed it it's basically like a house i have two stocks or one index fund and that's it and you're actually similar. You you have your house, you have your salary, and you have Bitcoin. Yeah. It's not for others, but like, why did you choose to do that versus like, for me, I have like Ethereum and I've bought Solana and I do index funds and I'm buying all this real estate shit. Why are you so bullish on Bitcoin as, a, as an investment, it seems like, or as a storage of capital? I don't want to get into the, the debate about that, but like, why are you so bullish on it? Because it is, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I think a lot of ways what it's meant for, it's like something to save
0: your money in if you don't want it or need it for an extended period of time. You know, which I don't intend to, yeah, tap into or sell my Bitcoin for 10 or more years. Um, and that's that portion of my, my portfolio is just like, that's where I want to keep it, store it. And, you know, the way the world just continues to seem to move just feels like, okay, yeah, an asset like Bitcoin is just going to continue to do well. Um, that A lot of other things just feel distorted, feel propped up by the government, propped up by just like systemic issues. So, and personally, I kind of look at it like Bitcoin, it's been good to me so far. Going to continue to be good for you know, a lot of savers. And for my risk tolerance, it's it feels appropriate.
1: Do you have a range of price you think it'll be in ten years? Yeah, and, and in the six figures, maybe a million dollars a coin. But what gives you that belief, and wh- what makes you think it won't
0: go to zero? Um, uh, I mean, one the latter question is almost easier. It's like, but it's just like not. I mean, going to zero is a function of there being no buyers, and it's just like at some level there is always a, a fortress of people that don't want to sell their Bitcoin or won't sell their Bitcoin. So like through every cycle, there's just the 10 to 20% that do really want to sell and sell out and then they stop. There's no more of them. So Bitcoin just has, I think a lot of people with that long-term belief and that long-term mentality. And and then so why do I believe in it? It's, it's because it's so grounded. If you go around and ask, how, how does your dollar work? How does like other money work? How does the financial system work? It's a labyrinth. It is complex. It is crazy it is shaky it's this person depends on that person it depends on that person depends on that person the real thing or the thing you think that the thing is is like behind eight different counterparties or people and then i don't know everyone in that chain somewhere is like accepting some liability or maybe even making some money or something like that it's just really complex and it's it's amazing it's cool because it's like as a society, society's human kind, that of, we do depend on creating more complex structures for things to then advance and grow and build but bitcoin sort of i think just regrounds understanding or re re resettles on a simple system for value storage and value transfer and that's something needed that's something you want that's something especially for like an internet digital driven society you need a digital version of those things and we're only getting more digital we're only going more in that direction and so a bedrock currency for that future course of the world that's not just dependent on trusting institutions that's a
1: really valuable thing why not any of the other coins or currencies?
0: There's there's always just some flaw, you know. There's always just some like flaw or like thing you kind of have to presume or or assume. Bitcoin from the ground up between its code, between its its founding and like not you know having been like somebody's project or whatever. I mean, not somebody's project, but like the the kind of founding story that could only really happen once, an immaculate conception, if you will. The proof of work. That's what's so fun about learning about Bitcoin from a physicist, Drew. It's like this work, the energy that goes into securing the system is real. It's real-world energy that, like, you know, does take massive levers and like you just can't fake it. Kind of a thing. So everything else has some fakeability. Has something wrong with how it started. Has something about you know the code isn't as durable. Isn't as tested. Things things are trying to do too many things, and and they don't have then this property of like being a really good capped monetary supply like monetary system. Those things are cool experiments good things to try you never never fault humans for being creative and wanting to do things but the bitcoin network is a thing on its own really stands on its own it's not
1: uh not alike really any other currency cryptocurrency i bought something on monday and i sent him bitcoin and it didn't transact right away it took 45 minutes and it was a pretty significant amount of bitcoins hmm. and i was like what the fuck is going on here and i paid for like the fastest transaction speed so that was definitely nerve-wracking Right, and then I'm like, "Yo, did you actually give me a Bitcoin address versus like an ETH address or like USDC address?" And it finally confirmed. And so there's definitely, I mean, there are some trade offs to it. Yeah, because like it wasn't, it was not smooth, and I was definitely. I, at first, I was like, oh, "Okay, thirty minutes is fine." And it was thirty minutes, and still nothing. Yeah, sometimes you have a you have a slow block. That is a trade off. It's like Bitcoin is almost just perfect in this way, but it's like because any system you would
0: devise to then make that guarantee for you would have to trade off something else. Would have to trade off the finality of the settlement or the, you know, the irreversibility of the transaction or the manipulability of the, of the network. And so, you know, the things that we look for from Bitcoin does leave it this one property of, Oh yeah, oh my gosh, like a block might be found within two minutes. A block might be found within an hour, it's generally on average found every 10 minutes. But I also think that's kind of, it's kind of fun. It's cool. It's again, it's just, feel, it feels, it feels more like part of nature because like more of a uh, uh, a natural thing, using the laws of the universe to give us better money versus uh, something like artificial and not as real,
1: just made up, made up by humans. Yeah, we're just on a planet making all this up as we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. What's the le- le- recent, most recent problem you found that you you don't have time to solve, or you'd be curious to to dive deeper in? i
0: do not know quite yet. But when we think about it more,
1: you've got a young daughter;
0: um, she's almost two. So think about like, as my children have quantitative questions about the world that they would like to ask such as who's the greatest rapper of all time through a lyrical analysis like those tools should exist those questions should be able to be answered no excuses as also she grows she needs i think good money good savings good like good ways to feel kind of isolated and not as buffeted by societal change or like who's president or who's like in charge of the federal reserve or those things i don't know after that i think that's where like play play will be interesting watch how play as play evolves for people, you know, it's like VR, meta, metaverse things. I haven't, I haven't gone into the metaverse. Don't know. I don't know what that's like. I don't know. Some Facebook servers or something. I have played with a VR headset a couple times last year that the Half-Life game, it's pretty cool. There's something there. I think there'll be like fun ways that, that evolves.
1: Is there a way that with Bitcoin, it's going to get simpler in terms of like, I have to give you this random ass code and you have to find a code and we have to double check the code's the same for same like it's a Bitcoin address, not an ETH address. Do you think that'll get changed, or is that just part of the protocol? Well, it's part of the protocol. I mean, there are
0: you know, QR codes do help. It's like QR codes made, made a huge comeback. You're right. QR codes are super underrated. Yeah, so I think it, it's getting better, and like, you know, things like Lightning are making that that issue of waiting for a transaction much easier. Usually Lightning is... You haven't used Lightning? was it? Ah, dude, next time we'll, we'll, we'll get together on that. So Lightning is essentially another layer on top of Bitcoin that is really much more purpose built for facilitating fast payments. And so you can think about Bitcoin and the Bitcoin network as where if you want to move a million dollars or billion dollars, you're gonna settle on Bitcoin. If I'm paying you for lunch or you're paying a couple hundred dollars for that thing, you might use Lightning. And so and so Lightning just is yeah, a network that it's instant and it's it's good for those those kinds of transactions. It still involves that form factor of like a QR code or lightning address, but you're you know, alleviating that that settlement time issue that you mentioned.
1: Tom, oh, so how do you actually use Lightning? This is cool. You get a Lightning wallet, and you fund it with Bitcoin. Would you punch Vitalik in the face? Be like, "Yo, your shit's not good, dude."
0: Nah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just we like to build up build up Bitcoin and the things we care about. We don't need to distract ourselves with tearing other things down.
1: Yeah, I like that you're singularly
0: focused. Ah, oh, dude, focus. It's so important. And it was so missing in this space, especially getting started. You know, could have done a blockchainy something, anything, and. Just feels so good to know who your customer is. It feels so good to be aligned with what they want, their values, and build your business in that direction. And it's something that the industry really lacks. There's not many companies I think can can be can be as proud as like what they do and how they help their clients as, as we are.
1: Yeah, I've thought about you guys with hiring too, where it's like you're hiring like uh like the devout. And it's really easy because you can hire top talent because it's like, oh, I believe in this. Yes. It's something honestly we're we're diving deeper into Absumo. Where it's like, who is our best customer, and how are we really over-serving them? Mm-hmm. I think we've lost a little side of that, not in a bad way. We're, we're serving multiple people, and it's like, well, who who do we really want to keep focusing on so that they're super happy? Yeah. So I, I like that you guys have that focus. I think that's probably true for a lot of parts of life. Yeah, maybe we talked about
0: this, too. It's like the thing about this, you know, what do you think is more important, the mission or the team when it comes to, like, building our company? Kind of went back and forth to coach on this, because his his thing was the mission. mission. You know, for your, your job, if you're in, like, the top role or something like that, you need to be all mission and like order your people in battle or something you needed and things like that and you know i don't know i mean if there's a balanced view because like you can't get there if you don't have the team for it and you do need your team to trust you and trust and have built trust with them and if you want the best team possible though you need a mission you need a compelling mission so you don't get the team without the mission you don't get the mission done without the great team so
1: it's got to be both where do you think i can go find other smart guys like we're going have chad already so i'm good like you got your druv i got my chad like where can other people find someone smart like that? Craigslist, man. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm just like, they're out there, you know? And that's just,
0: yeah, that, that's that that power of engagement and like just bringing curiosity and like passion and drive. That's That was, that was the thing I'll, I'll give my 20-year-old self was I was just all drive and all like wanting the world and wanting to realize
1: something great in the world and looking for like good people to go do that with. Dude, I love it. Joe Kelly, Unchained.com. Unchain Capital. Secure your Bitcoin, buy your Bitcoin. Like, what's the one-liner you would tell someone why they should use unchained.com if they're a long-term BTC holder? We are a financial services company for businesses and individuals that want to
0: hold their own keys to their Bitcoin. So people that are interested in self-custody, want to ensure that, you know, they can always get their Bitcoin, even if chains are down, things like that are down, we're, we're the, the place for them. What if your site's down? We can help you. Like, we have a... It's when people onboard for us with us for storing their Bitcoin, uh, we have a route they can take. We give them some information that they could upload that to any other wallet that supports multisig. So, it's a beautiful thing about building on one protocol, one set of open source standards. Is yeah, th- our stuff is portable. Like we're built in a way that you can go to a different multisig wallet and upload the information that you use in our site, and then
1: oh yeah still for your Bitcoin. recovery key stuff right yeah yeah I gave mine to your guy he said he wanted to keep it for me oh really oh that's a, that's a violation I'm process I'm okay I'm I'm he was very impressed it was very thorough very uh, professional I was like oh wow just company's pretty good it's always like it's like going to your parents work and seeing what actually happens or using a friend's website and you're like dude your shit doesn't suck yeah All right, man, check you out, Unchained Capital. You have Twitter at Joseph Kelly, J-O-S-E-P-H-K-E-L-L-Y, part of the the, the plan, man. So check him out there. I'll give a shout out in the beginning of the show as well. Awesome. Great to chat with you, Noah. Yes, sir. See you in the squash courts. See you in the squash courts, my friend. That is a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as I did making it for you. You can check out Joe at Unchained.com as well, follow him on Twitter at Joseph Kelly. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go travel on a boat together. And before you go, tweet at me, at Noah Kagan. Let me know it's out of this episode, or slide in my DMs, at Noah Kagan. Also, remember to go to subscribe to my newsletter. That's sendfox.com slash Noah. I send a single short email each and every week, exclusive content to my subscribers. That's sendfox.com slash Noah. Also, create your own newsletter at sendfox.com. Finally, a couple shout-outs to my amazing team. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for always making these episodes. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, George, Hubert, Cam, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen. I'm the Dork team for all y'all do. And finally, shout out to Genvia who is our senior business development manager at AppSumo.com. Thank you for constantly sending articles and being a great coach to the BD team. Really impressive to see you at the company. Have a glorious day. This is a good one. What's your favorite type of cheese?